Welcome to another episode of Talk Toby to Me. I'm Jess. And I'm Meg, and we're two sisters that love to talk all things business, mindset, self-development, and everything in between. This is normally part of our weekly phone catch-ups, but hot girls don't gatekeep, so we've decided to bring our combos to you. Hey, sissy babe. Hey, boo. We've had a bit on since we last recorded. I literally was saying on my Instagram the other day because someone said to me, it's interesting how everyone's slowing down at this time of year and you're about to go full send. Yeah, 100. (laughs) There's no slowing down. Yeah, this is the time to fucking go full send because everyone else is slowing down. Yeah, set those foundations for the new year so you can take bold action. Well, it's not even like starting a new year is like when you start doing things. Like it's just like any other day or any other time. Yeah, 100%. So we haven't recorded for like a week and a half. So we've got a bit more of an update, but we'll try not turn it into a whole episode like last time. Yeah. Yeah. So since we last recorded, I went up to the Gold Coast for work and stayed with Meg and we had a meeting planned for the Thursday afternoon when she picked me up from the airport at like 2.33 and we had plans to work on our new offers for the new year together. And we got back to Meg's and I'm like, do you want to do our work outside in fresh air like at a cafe or something like that and then she was like fuck yeah and then we realized it was like 3 3 30 or whatever and most cafes would be shut so meg's like should we go to the tropic and that is (laughs) if you know you know yeah that is literally my favorite place to go for like lunch couple of drinks like boozy lunch vibes or dinner whatever on the water at the beach beautiful venue great service great food great drinks and so we packed up meg's laptop and we got organized and we went to the tropic to get our work done there and we actually Um, got it done (laughs) yeah we had a great time it was perfect weather it was quiet because it was like a weird time it was like between lunch and dinner and so we set up the laptop we got a couple of like we got some oysters got a few things to nibble on had a couple of drinks like well we were like chill on the drinks while we did the work pumped out some work had a couple more drinks it was a great avo and also like how fucking lucky are we that we can or not lucky but how grateful we are that we can do that yeah because like Like just a random thursday avo yeah and a lot of people you know would be at their nine to five and they've got another day of work the following day like they don't have a sissy that's like you know striving for the same big fucking things yeah and we were just brimming with gratitude that afternoon then friday i worked in the clinic on the goldie at gc skin so i worked uh, friday day saturday day and then saturday arvo our parents came down from the farm and we had the best dinner how good was that food so we went to dinner with the fam because the following day we had plans to take our stepmom shopping for her first designer bag for her 60th birthday. Yeah, she was just like so excited. Such a pos. Yeah, if you haven't, peep my Instagram reel because I did, yeah, like videos because we obviously, we made a thing of it and she was just so excited, which just made me so excited. Yeah, so we went to Pack Fair, went to all the designer shops so that she could like have a look at all the options. And then she ended up picking this Gucci bag, which was like so her, this mm. like tan leather bucket bag kind of thing. And yeah, it was just a really wholesome day with our parents. And then I skedaddled back to the airport and came home to Wollongong. And then this week's just been business as usual for me, but with a lot of like meetings 
to make moves for what we're working on. So Emily came in, she's kind of started doing a bit of work for me. I think I've already mentioned that before, but she came in and we like made more plans for the new year and started to take action there. And then there's just like lots of things going on. I actually have had like great clients this week too. I had one lady who has alopecia and she came back in for her touch up this week. And she was like, I almost came in and made a special trip to give you a hug because you've honestly changed my life. She's like saying that losing her hair was one thing but she's like losing my brows was way more traumatic than actually losing her hair because she had a wig for her hair but she's like you can't really do anything about losing your eyebrows and so when she came in for a touch-up she had no wig on she just had the short hair and she's 70 so it's like short white hair and she just looked so much better without the wig she just looked like lighter and yeah like happier like more free i don't know that's the kind of the vibe i got and she's like just the most beautiful woman and yeah she like honestly she was so grateful for the new brows and it's just like clients like that that i've said on the pod before i don't necessarily have like a passion for beauty like it's just my vehicle to be in business i suppose and i'm probably more passionate about business and freedom and all those things rather than beauty itself but those kind of clients like really make me grateful and just make me feel so fulfilled in terms of the actual tattooing component Mm. so it was just really lovely i've got a really busy social calendar this weekend so i've got things on tonight tomorrow night saturday sunday so there's a bit on socially for the rest of the week i'll wrap up my work today i've got a little bit of work i've got a meeting tomorrow with jade to continue to map out the bali retreat for 2024 the beauty business and mindset how was your week i feel very much the same like it there's been a lot on but nothing that I can really say this is what happened because yeah it's just been lots of meetings and planning and kind of back and forth with different people and stuff like that for 2024 all very exciting I feel like how do I explain I feel like you get to a point in like the first however like let's say your first 250k you're just throwing shit at the wall just putting heaps of shit out and you're just doing like hoping to see what's like just working to see yeah you just literally need to show up consistently and a lot and then you get to this point where you have to like it's so much more numbers and like yeah strategy and strategy and yeah Yeah. so yeah i had a big meeting with amber yesterday and we set some new kpis which is cool because she's obviously like the expert in marketing not me so this is i guess like the first time that i've really gone ham into like setting very specific targets for every different area of our marketing which is really exciting because it just obviously will give her more to push harder and stay Mm. accountable to and give her more direction and stuff like that so on the back of like the last two weeks having a million and one meetings with different people and conversations with different people about making like big decisions in my business and stuff like that i was writing i don't know if you guys have listened to early apps i said i've got this list on my phone of like all my gratitudes and it literally like you're scrolling for like minutes and to get to the bottom and i was writing about how i just love actually this can be my gratitude for the week i just love that i'm like constantly having conversations with people and putting myself out there and networking and listening to books and podcasts and it's just such a prevalent constant in my life and I've never been afraid to ask the silly questions and put myself in rooms with people who are like quote-unquote above me and I feel like that is a huge reason why things are constantly 
moving forward in my business because for example I had this I guess light bulb moment at the retreat that I spoke about on the last episode about what my next step was but then I had a meeting with one guy and then we snowballed and like spoke about different things and I had different insight from that which then made me book a meeting with a different person it's just like it's hard to explain but lots of conversation with different people and just not being afraid to be like the student all Mm. the time yeah very important yeah is the reason why I have so many more yeah opportunities and more like things happening yeah and it's also if that like makes sense you're expanding your network every time you do yeah that. yeah 100 network yeah and i think like i mean it's probably prevalent in both our industries but particularly the fitness industry people are very like there's a lot of ego and it's like they don't want to allow new perspective i would say my gratitude for the week is firstly that emily is coming back or like has started to come back in a certain capacity because we just work so well together and also just my awareness around like if I feel like something's not working whether it's like a process or in my schedule or like whatever the case may be I'm very aware when that's the case and very like my ability to then make changes and optimize things to like this week just hasn't felt very flowy for example and i'm like okay well i'm going to change this this and this yeah so that i can improve that because like oh i just even there was this day in the salon and i had like multiple clients in that day that came in and basically complained to no end about their lives their this their that their health their partners their blah 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 all of the things and i just actually said to one of them who i know i said and what are you going to do about that to make changes in those areas and it was kind of like wait what and it was just yeah i just was reflecting thinking like i'm so glad i'm not someone that just identifies that things aren't working for me or that i'm not thriving in certain areas and just complain about it and stay like that like i'm really grateful that i'm someone that i can identify it first of all and then is really open to then making those improvements that need to be made so yeah a hundred percent and you know what's prevalent in both of those things that we just said taking fucking action yeah hundred percent consistently yeah love that let's get stuck in today guys we are going to be sharing our top five book recommendations for business and self-development and we're going to kind of take you through our key takeaways from each of those books and let me start by saying picking five is fucking hard whether it's a you know a hard copy or an audiobook like meg loves an audiobook we love to consume knowledge and picking five was quite difficult i have a couple that i know are like definitely my top but Mm. to yeah to select just five was quite difficult so we're gonna share five books there's plenty more hit us up yeah i often get people dm about books so if you Mm. do want to do that love that so much because i've got like a list for business and kind of money focus and then a list for self-development maybe just say kind of the things you're currently struggling with as well Mm. yeah so that we can give you more specifics because otherwise you're getting a list of like 100 books yeah and i actually have a highlight reel on my personal instagram with like book recommendations as well so yeah we love love to give the recos so hit us up anytime So the first book is, I reckon, my all-time favorite. We've talked about it on the pod before. Both read it multiple times. Yeah, it's something we revisit. Like, I probably read it each year, even just on audiobook while I'm driving. And the thing I love about this book, the themes in this book, whilst the book is centered around money, it is one of those books where every theme relates to so many 
parts of life. And that book is Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Ecker. So basically, I guess overarching point of the book is to identify your money and success blueprint. So that's what you're saying, I guess, Jess, that it's not just about money, like the blueprint of your life. It's about success as a whole and not just, yeah, the money you make. Yeah. And I think talking about your money blueprint and your money mindset, all of that comes down to like your childhood, like your parents' beliefs and your culture and like the limiting beliefs you've got that you've like developed over time. And it kind of all comes back to the things we always talk about and those impact every part of your life. So I feel like it's just such a great book. Even if you have zero care factor about money, that's probably even more reason to read the book. But yeah, I just think it's such a great book in terms of the themes that it covers. So in the book, he kind of asks the question, have you ever wondered why some people seem to get rich easily while others are destined for a life of financial struggle? What most people think is that the difference is because of their education, like they've had better education, they're smarter, they've got better skills, timing, work habits, contacts, rich parents, luck, choice of jobs, they've like businesses, investments, things like that. But what he's talking to throughout the whole book is that none of those things are the actual real reason for their success coming easily to them. And that what it comes down to is your financial blueprint, like we mentioned earlier. So he talks about the fact that we all have our own personal money blueprint ingrained in our subconscious minds. And it's that this blueprint more than anything else will determine our financial lives so you can know anything and everything about marketing sales negotiations stocks real estate finance etc but if your blueprint is not set for a high level of success you just won't ever have enough enough money or a lot of money and if you do come into a lot of money but your blueprint isn't set to like handle that kind of money you're going to lose it so it's like we've talked about before like people that win the lotto and have never had any Mm. kind of money before it's usually very prevalent that they'll then quickly lose that money and then he talks about how you can reframe relearn and change your money blueprint for success like in summary it's about the way you perceive what being wealthy is in the book he shares 17 wealth files And each of those themes or wealth files identifies the difference between almost a lack mindset versus an abundance mindset and and the different outcomes that those two thought patterns will achieve. And each wealth file also includes tangible steps to actually reframe and recreate your own financial blueprint. Mm. I remember this one particular thing from this book that was like a light bulb moment for me was like if you find a $20 note on the floor and it's about like poor people will not pick it up because of like their ego, whereas a rich person will think like I'm a money magnet if that makes sense. We'll go through these wealth files because it's a really good way to actually be able to identify the type of blueprint that you have. And then if you're like, wow, fuck, I have a poor person blueprint, then I'm going to read this book. (laughs) Something that I remember from the book vividly is you can probably identify like a number that your kind of bank account always kind of sits at. And it'll be like, say you've always got around like a couple of grand in the bank, or you've always got like 40 grand, whatever the amount is. Like, your like your bank account might fluctuate up and down kind of but it always kind of comes back to this amount that 
you have basically shown to the universe that that's the amount you can manage. Yeah. And so without getting too woo-woo, that's something I remember in the book where it was talking about like your blueprint will only allow you to manage as much money as you have shown that you can. Yeah. 100%. So whilst you might go and spend some on XYZ, you'll then make some back and it'll kind of sit around that same number. And then whilst you might make a bit more, you'll then go and spend it. So it'll come back down to that number. So it's kind of like always hovering around this same figure. And I feel like most people can think of a number that's like kind of where their bank account usually sits. Yeah. Or their net and it, worth or whatever. Yeah. And it requires a different version of you to get to the next level of like yeah. wherever you're at. So the first one is rich people believe I create my life. Poor people believe life happens to me, which is like literally the definition of a victim mindset. Yes. And you'll find the people that you surround yourself with will kind of generally all be similar. So I feel 100%. like we don't have like a lot of people in our lives that are that like, oh, life happens to me kind of vibe. And if we do, it's like an icky feeling. Like we've like, obviously there are some people in our lives that maybe we've known from our childhood or whatever. Yeah. So you'll often find that you'll have those same people around you that support that belief of yours. It's like really important to be able to identify if the people around you are like keeping you stuck because that's very likely the case. If you are in a circle where everyone believes life happens to me, then they're just going to be keeping you there. So if you're not being challenged, I would be kind of reflecting on that. I can identify a few people that talk about being a business owner as like this negative draining. Oh my God, I work all the time vibe, but I'm like, fuck, I love that shit. So it's just like a different perspective. So the other ones that relate to that same kind of theme is that rich people focus on opportunities versus poor people focusing on obstacles. So another one is rich people are bigger than their problems and poor people are smaller than their problems. So again, victim mindset, it's thinking how can you improve as a person so the problem seems less of a problem as opposed to hoping your problems are going to be less frequent or smaller. That's like how we talk about the bigger goals you have, the bigger moves you make, your problems are only going to get bigger and more frequent. And so, yeah, like focusing on how you can grow to better navigate those rather than like thinking you can eliminate the problems or thinking that you can't navigate those problems. So again, rich people play the money game to win. Poor people play the money game to not lose. So it's very much I love like, that. Yeah. Like we are like, Scarcity. Okay, what can we do in life? Like when we are on our deathbed, we are going to be like, fuck yeah, we did all of the things we wanted to do in biz and in life. Poor people play the money game to not lose. It's like you'll be able to identify those people that are constantly like just trying to get by, just trying to like. It's like, no, it's very much a, yeah, it's a survival. Like, you know, focusing on just surviving, not thriving. Whereas, and actually this is really interesting because every like event I've gone to like Tony Robbins and then Morgan's one and stuff like that there was talk about like your kind of worst life versus your dream life and I've never really been able to relate to like the worst case scenario because everything I'm working towards is from a place of I know I can have more not I'm moving away from like it's not like a lack mindset it's like a I'm worthy and I can hold so much more it's like a different kind of driver I guess for success yeah and something that made me think of in another context is like 
fitness goals, right? If you're trying to move away from a mm. weight because you want to not be this heavier weight, for example, is a very different motivation than if you're wanting to work towards like a strength PB or something along the, or like a fitness goal, like run 5Ks or whatever the case may be. It's a very different motivation and a very different mindset to someone who's like, oh, I don't want to be 70 kilos or whatever the number is yeah. rather than someone who's like, fuck yeah, I can't wait to hit this PB. It's like you're good, but you know you can do better. Yeah, like you're secure in what you're currently at, uh, what you're currently doing or how you currently feel about yourself, but you're like, I can do this next thing because I choose yeah. to. Yeah, and that yeah. relates very much to the sixth wealth file, which is that rich people admire other rich and successful people, whereas poor people resent rich and successful people. So if you grew up with your parents being like, money doesn't grow on trees, rich people are greedy, yada, 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 like that's that kind of vibe versus Mm. like looking at someone who's wealthy is like, fuck, they've really gone after it and good on them. Like it literally means it's got, it's no reflection on you, someone else making money, unless you make it mean something about you. I love this next wealth file. It's rich people think both. Poor people think either or or. It's like you can't have both. And we talk about this all the time that you can have both. You can be wealthy and still have fun. You can have strong boundaries and communication and still be a kind human. Rich people act in spite of fear. Poor people let fear stop them. Poor people let fear dictate their decisions as in they make decisions because of fear yes like they're trying to make money to get away from something rather than creating like wealth because they can yeah 100 percent. whereas like this is so prevalent because every decision in my business for however long every like big decision usually scary as fuck and it's like that's why we do it because we know that those are the things that are going to move the needle whereas poor people will like we lean into the fear and poor people lean out so there's another one which i fucking love again (laughs) rich people are willing to promote themselves and their value poor people think negatively about selling and promotion Mm, and i find this so prevalent even like in my friendships and like even my partner like they feel so even funny yeah icky like seeing other people selling themselves and they'll have little comments about it it's like they're projecting their own insecurities around the fact that they don't have the confidence or ability to promote and sell themselves so when other people do it it makes them feel uncomfortable Mm, yeah that's huge too with social media being so prevalent in terms of people promoting their businesses and things like that and it being so accessible for everyone to see this is huge i feel like i can very easily show up on my social media every single day and sell and not feel icky about it because i guess it's like a self-worth piece and also you know you're doing it for the greater good of others like that's what i've always said about selling it's like if you know you're your product or service is going to improve the lives of others then you can sell with ease because you're doing them a favor and i actually had a coach say something to me in the past that was just a game changer for me regarding this and it was that you're actually being selfish by not getting up and sharing your product and service that could help others or selling yourself and your offers because there might be someone out there that you could help with what you provide whether that's you just sharing your story 
or whatever it is, like there will be someone out there that will benefit from what you have to say. And if you are too insecure or have too many limiting beliefs around doing that, that's actually selfish for you to not share something that could help someone else. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really similar to, I say to a lot of my business coaching clients about if they're afraid to film themselves because of how they look or how they sound it's like if you're worried about those things you're worried too much about yourself and not about the customer or the client Mm, yeah a bit of a side note but still important i also love this one rich people are excellent receivers poor people are poor receivers Because this will be really evident in your life if someone, you know, a simple example offers to buy your coffee and you're like, no, I'm going to get it like and you'd make it a whole thing as opposed to like allowing them because, you know, you'll, you know, return the favor at a later date or for someone else or whatever it is. Like it's just a small, I guess, like shift that represents a big it really will highlight where your mindset is around wealth and money Mm, i think um the way i would explain that too is also like if you can't allow someone to buy you a gift then why would you allow the universe to provide you like this next level of income if you can't even accept like a coffee or a gift or you know how people like oh i don't i don't want anything for my birthday or like yeah like that type of vibe like i really think that that is a reflection on what you are willing to accept or what you're telling the universe that you can accept if you can't hold someone giving you like a small value item then you are showing that you are unable to hold something of like greater value another one i love all of these i know i was waiting because i knew you love this one rich people choose to get paid based on results poor people choose to get paid based on time and I can't remember if it was from this book or where I heard it but I remember hearing something about if you're in a job where you feel like there's no kind of next step for you you can't get a pay rise for whatever whatever reason or there's no way to get commission or an incentive or anything like that there is always a way if you can prove that you can get that business if you are providing that business more value and so like obviously if you're the first person to approach whoever it is that you need to approach to like ask for what you want probably be like taken back a bit but if yeah you can prove that you're still going to provide ex- yeah and it's like if you don't back yourself then you're not gonna ask because you don't believe that you're worthy of it Mm, And I can remember two scenarios where I've done this in my corporate career prior to having my own business. When I worked in corporate, like for a fashion designer in Sydney, and I moved to Wollongong and I wanted to, I don't know if I'd started my business then, but I was commuting and it was like, I worked full time and I was commuting from Wollongong to Sydney and it was like crazy. And I worked really, really long hours. So then adding on the four hour commute each day, it was just too much. And I approached them to work one day a week from home. And it was like no one else in the company had like, this was prior to COVID by the way. So working from home was not a thing. And when I approached them, there was so much resistance. And then I kind of had to plead my case and show exactly how I'd actually be able to provide more value to the company by working that one day from home because I'd be less distracted, less travel time, more time to focus on the business. And then they came around and gave me that one day from home. And now it's like, I don't even know if like half the people that work there now since COVID, like 
I'm pretty sure most of the employees there now do that flexible working arrangement where most of them work from home. And then in my following job after that one, when I decided to start my business and I was like, I can't have this job and start a business. So I got a full-time job down here and then I was working there while I gradually built up my business. And after 12 months of doing that full-time job and starting my business, I was like wanting to cut so that I could spend more time on my business and scale that up while I scaled my full-time job down. And again, asking this business where everyone worked full time to go from five days to four days was like, again, completely unheard of. And I had had already obviously set 12 months of foundations and showed my worth and like how much value I provided the company. And so then I, again, had to do the same thing where I explained that I'm still going to get X, Y, Z results in those four days. And that's why they should, you know, allow me to pursue that arrangement. And yeah, I had to go in fully backing myself that I was able to provide those results. Because if I'd gone in with that trepidation, like, oh, like, is it okay? Like, if it's not, it's fine. Like they would have absolutely said no. But I was like, mm. this is the deal. I'll still provide the results, take it or leave it, like almost calling their bluff to a degree. And they were like, yep, no dramas. Like we'll talk, we'll have a chat about it. And in the end it was fine. So it's just that different mindset and showing up that slightly different way. Yeah, and just believing like backing yourself. That you, yeah, and believing that you truly can provide that value, those yeah. results rather than like, if I had gone in comparing like my time and they're like, well, no, we need you five days. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's completely different. Yeah. 100%. So the last one that we'll talk about is rich people have their money work hard for them. Poor people work hard for their money. So that one's pretty self-explanatory. Basically, poor people are trading their time for money, whereas rich people are using their income to make more income. Mm. And it's a completely and different mindset again. It's like, people who poor people will like hoard a lot of their money and they'll save 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 if they even can if they even able to hold like that amount of money whereas rich people will think i can spend this amount of money to make more money yeah so that ties in really well with our next book recommendation which is rich dad poor dad by robert kiyosaki and he actually has another book also called cash flow quadrant which is like the sequel to rich dad poor dad Uh, which is another great book. Basically, this book is talking about his upbringing where he had his biological father, which he refers to as his poor dad, and his one of his good friend's fathers, which he refers to as his rich dad, who he both learned completely different things from and chose to follow in the footsteps and the mindset and the behaviors of his rich dad based on their different perceptions of money their different money mindsets and the different outcomes that he would achieve depending on which kind of path he took following either one yeah so his poor dad is very much like work a nine-to-five save your money whereas the rich dad was like create wealth invest your money yeah and one of the biggest things that he talks about as well is working to learn as opposed to working to make money because if you can work to learn this is so important because this is like thinking bigger picture as opposed to yeah like as opposed to like short-term thinking where you are just maybe making more money for that week or that month or that year 
as opposed to working, you know, whether that's finding your mentor and how you can learn from them. And you might be taking one step back to take two forward because the more you learn, the more you earn. (laughs) That's what Morgan says. (laughs) 100%. And I think it's very similar concepts to the first book, but more so around like actually building the wealth. There's a lot of, I guess, points in the book about how to... I feel like it's um, like a bit about like not manipulating the system, but like how to get the system to work for you rather than just, you know, making your money, putting it in the bank, buying a house, like da-da-da-da-da. Like it's a bit more tangible. It's very mindset focused as well, but it's a bit like tangible ways to make the system work for you in terms of your finances and your wealth building. Yeah. And particularly like breaking down the myth that you have to earn a certain amount of money to be wealthy, Mm, like you can create it from no matter how much money you have. Yes. And he actually shares his journey around how he came to his wealth as well, which was Mm. from nothing. So it's a very motivational book in that regard as well. This was actually the very first business slash personal development book I ever read. And it's quite short. I've read it like three times since. Like, it's really good one. Also, just on that note, if you're someone who reads a heap of books, but your life slash bank account doesn't reflect that, it might be that you need to focus less on volume and more on really taking in what you're hearing and taking action on those things. Mm, Yeah. Okay. So, guys, my all-time number one recommendation in terms of self-development is How to Do the Work by Nicole LaPera. And this book honestly was so transformative for me going through like serious mental health struggles. And I honestly reckon it was a huge contributor to saving and changing my life. So Nicole LaPera, she's a clinical psychologist. She has been through like a very traumatic childhood herself and has kind of experienced really life-changing results with her own like holistic approach to self-development and she kind of shares her protocol in this book so i've shared this book with so many people i actually had one of my girlfriends buy it for me she was a life coach of mine back in the day one of my girlfriends and i've then since recommended it to so many people and it's really changed their lives as well she talks a lot in this book about how your mind impacts your body and how your body impacts your mind so one of the themes she talks about in the book is head down and body up kind of like approach and it's basically talking about like you can't just go to therapy and expect that to kind of solve your problems for example it's talking about like all the ways you can use your mind to then heal your body and then how you can use your body to heal your mind So for example, meditation, therapy, journaling, all of those things would be like using your mind to then help heal your body. And then things like yoga, nutrition, sleep, hydration, gut health, exercise, all those things, ways you can use your body to change your mind. And it's like a very holistic, she is a holistic psychologist. That's kind of what she calls herself. And it's just honestly been absolutely life-changing for me honestly that and secrets of the millionaire mind are my top two recommendations of all time Um, and it's also like it's good because it also does give you like tangible things to it's a very like action kind of oriented Mm, book 
Yeah, and I've got like mine is like riddled with notes. There's highlighter all throughout it. I've folded back like tons of the pages. Like I could never lend it to someone because they need their own version to do that. They need their own copy to kind of get the most out of it. So definitely a book that I wouldn't get as an audiobook. I'll get the hard copy so that you can make notes and like highlight things and whatever and you know journal in it, journal with it and things like that. She talks a lot about how your like experiences and your trauma in childhood that you've then lived with throughout your life result in whole body dysfunction so how those things activate harmful stress responses that keep you stuck in toxic or negative patterns so codependency emotional immaturity trauma bonds and any of those kind of like toxic behaviors how they've like manifested from your childhood she talks about that if you don't address those they're very much self-sabotaging behaviors and will leave you to become really unhappy unfulfilled unwell all of those things so yeah it's very much about how if you want to heal your mind you need to heal your body and vice versa the next book is called never split the difference by chris voss and this one is the fucking best for learning how to negotiate particularly obviously in business but also just like in any relationships it teaches you how to influence other people into the outcome that you want so Chris Voss is a former FBI lead hostage negotiator. He had his career as a kidnapping negotiator. And so obviously he was dealing with bank robbers and gang leaders and terrorists and all those mm, type of people. So like it's a the attention to detail and like the way his mind works is just fucking hectic. Because obviously if he says one wrong thing, that can be, you know, the death of hundreds of people or thousands of people or whatever it is or even just you know one person and i remember in the book he talks about this experience he has with hostages in this bank and he's outside in this van and he's like on the phone to one of the baddies (laughs) and just the way he like everything that's said is with intention and it's just fucking so cool to listen to when i was negotiating my terms at world gym (laughs) yes I remember I got, that vividly. Yeah, and I got what I wanted <laughs> that no uh, other trainers got out of like the twenty that were there. So had and you, have had gotten, you read that book before then? I had like just started it, and so I was kind of reading it as I was you going through the yeah, process. Right. I love that. I'm just picturing you like mirroring, <laughs> literally. <laughs> and so the two biggest takeaways I'll talk about mirroring, but the first one I want to talk about is I really learnt how important it is to listen more and speak less and on the back of that how to ask more open-ended questions so like for example if you're trying to negotiate something but you're doing all the talking that's giving them more ammo to like it's giving them more fuel to come back at you whereas if you allow them to speak so much more then you can do that back to them like you've got more to kind of go off because they're going to give you more information that you can then use against them that sounds kind of fucked but it is this it that's how it works in business and then asking the open-ended questions so asking questions like how can i make that happen or how does that look for you or what does that look like for you it's gonna get them to actually put themselves in your shoes and make it make sense and i think the biggest thing when it comes to negotiating is you want it to be fair like you want to come to a equal resolution or you want at least the other party to feel like it is fair 
And that's what I was just thinking. That's what I was going to add when you were talking about like manipulating them to get your outcome. I'm thinking it's actually also about what you just said, like making it mutually beneficial so that you're both on board. Like, so you can get the other person on board with like the outcome that you're hoping to achieve that. And that book is really beneficial for any kind of relationship, whether it's a a business negotiation, like contracts, staff, romantic relationships, friends, family, any of the above, like they're really great tools and techniques that they teach in that book that apply to any relationship that you may have. Mm. and any conversation you're going to be having yeah even like i'm thinking with staff and stuff like that because if someone comes to you with like you know something they want or a problem that has arisen or whatever it is if you can ask those open-ended questions like how does that look like for you it's like very solution focused and it's making them yeah think logically about how it can actually work Mm. and benefit both parties and on the back of that it also allows them to feel like they're they're in the driver's seat like they are controlling the show and then the other like really key takeaway from that book is two things firstly again like what i was just saying make them feel like they're in the driver's seat is making them feel really safe because i think when you're going into like a negotiation or even any you know conflict resolution like with someone that like it's human nature to kind of put your guard up straight away and so he talks about labeling the other person's feelings so if someone's coming to you with like you know their problem and how they're feeling it's like actually putting a word to those feelings because that makes them feel really heard and then that will allow them to like pull their walls down and have an open conversation as opposed to just like butting heads and kind of fighting with no real resolution and then the other really interesting technique that he talks about is something called mirroring so it's basically where you take the last three words of what they said and put it into the start of the next thing you say so that it makes them feel like you're putting yourself into their head and so it's like unconscious to them you're like imitating what they're saying but that really helps build rapport and trust so they feel like they're being heard great book And the fifth book is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. This is an oldie, but a goldie. And I actually remember this book and The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which is also a really good book. Both took me so long to get into. Like, Yeah, I remember that actually. It was like painful. And I'm so glad I got through them because this one in particular, How to Win Friends and Influence People, I definitely listened to like early on in my business life. And there's just so many lessons in that book about how to communicate really fucking well and make more people like you. And it sounds like quite shallow, but like anyone in business will know that it's not like how important your reputation is. It's like even just having conversations with anyone that you kind of interact with. Yeah, like how important it is to treat everyone with respect and kindness and being a really good listener, like remembering their name. and A lot of the themes in that book relate to all aspects of life. Yeah, and 100%. Then obviously, that translates very heavily to like sales and marketing in terms of business. Yeah. And then influence people to buy from you or whatever yeah. the case may be. Definitely. Love. 
So guys, let us know if you do pick any of these up and what your thoughts are. And that also, was really hard to cull to five books only because we have tons. Yeah. That we love. So yeah, let us know if you've read any of those, what your key takeaways are. If you have any goodies that you think we haven't read us. yet. Thank you so much for listening. We would really love it if you could share this episode with someone who you think would benefit from it because we want to help as many people as possible and it really helps us grow the pod. And if you're listening on Apple, if you could please leave us a review. And if you're listening on Spotify, please leave us five stars. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at TalkToby2MePod. And you can find our link in our bio for our anonymous big sissy advice question form. Love you, bye. Love you, bye.